you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can click to, turn to with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And so we're going to look at the first eight verses in chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. We've been in a verse-by-verse study of just walking through this letter, uh, trying to get everything we can out of it to apply to our life. And what I'm finding is, is there's a lot of application uh, that we can glean out of this book into the situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in. Uh, you see, they were going through some difficulty, and they're going through some persecution. And Paul is writing back to this church, and he's trying to help them understand church. And so today, uh, the topic of this, of this message is a church should be a place, just a place of faithfulness. And so the title is a, is a place of faithfulness. And, and there, there's, something, there's something about somebody that when they go through trials, when they go through difficulty, when they go through those difficult set of circumstances and they remain faithful, there's something about that individual, right? There's something about that is very encouraging to me and maybe encouraging to you when someone is walking through some, some situations that has literally rocked their world and they remain faithful. There is something about that. There is something about a testimony that comes out of that. If we're honest, it kind of encourages us when we see people take their faith and apply it to some difficult situations. And so there's some people of the Old Testament that I think of. I think of, I think of Job, uh, when Job lost like everything. Job did go through some difficult moments. He had some anxiety. He had, he had a little bit of fear. But when you look at Job's life, you realize that Job remained faithful all the way through. You look at Daniel, right? And Daniel was having some trouble with some changes in the government and some other things like that. And so you look at Daniel, and Daniel just 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 was a God follower, and he continued to follow God. He remained faithful, and there's something about his life. I mean, look at the life of Ruth. Ruth went through some great difficulty. She lost her husband, and it put her in a great uh, difficulty and, and, a, and, and negative circumstances. You look at Ruth, and Ruth continued just to stay faithful. You look at Esther. I mean, Esther was this lady that was said for such a time as this, and God raised her up, and she went through some difficulty, but oh man, did she stay, and she just, she just stayed faithful. And so when you look at this, you realize that there's something positive that happens when you and I see someone that goes through difficult circumstances, and you and I could say, you know what, they just, they just pressed into God. They didn't pull away from God, they pressed into God, they just remained faithful. Now listen, this is where we pick the story up. Paul is in Thess- was in Thessalonica. He went there. He planted the church, and, 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 and some people got angry. Some Jews got angry, and so they were, they were, they were going to persecute him. They were going to kill him, and he was worried it was going to destroy the church. So Paul makes the decision. He says, I'm going to go to Athens, and so Paul like leaves and goes to Athens for, for the sake of the church, and, and it, it, was, it, was, it, it was the right decision. And so, but the church was going through difficulty. He was handing the church off to some inexperienced believers. But when you look at this, the church in Thessalonica, they remained faithful and Paul remained faithful. And so we come to this stretch of, of scripture that really, I'm telling this, this last week in, in, in studying and preparing for this, these principles just spoke to me just at a deep level. And I, I normally don't call attention to this, but like, depending on what translation of the scriptures you use, whether it's, I use CSB or you could use ESV or NIV or King James, New King James, that, that, that they will have like topic headers that like, like, like uh, chapter names or whatever that when you're headed into a stretch of scripture, it gives it a topic so you know what you're doing or you know what, you know what you're about ready to, to, to experience or read. And so when we come to this passage, it's so interesting. You know what CSB, ESV, and New King James, uh, King James Version say is anxiety 
in Athens. These eight verses. Anxiety in Athens. And, and I'm going to talk to you today about anxiety. We don't often talk about that in church. We don't often expose that in church. And so I want to talk to you this morning about when you and I go through difficult times that we have to understand anxiety. We have to be able to navigate through anxiety. We have to see the anxiety maybe in our life or, or, or the anxiety that maybe someone's carrying around us. Now, listen, I am not talking about clinical anxiety. If you've been diagnosed with clinical anxiety by a doctor, a psychologist, a counselor, someone like that, and you're having to take meds as a result of that, there is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that. And so I'm not addressing clinical anxiety. I'm addressing this issue of circumstantial anxiety. That when we go through stress, when we go through problems, the anxiety, the feelings that come up. Now, we need to kind of go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 to try to get an idea what causes this. What causes this in my life? What causes this in your life? Uh, what was causing this in Paul's life? And so look at this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 this is what Paul writes, and it gives us an insight into this issue. He said, but as for us, brothers and sisters, after, after we were forced to leave you for a short time in person, not in heart, we were greatly distressed and make every effort to return and see you face to face. So, okay, so now we know that phrase, we were forced to leave. That phrase, we were forced to leave, gives us insight into this issue of anxiety, anxious thoughts, fear of the future. They lost something that they thought they needed. I mean, they lost something they thought they needed. Paul lost something. He wasn't able to be with them, and he was worried they would survive. Paul felt he had to be there. He had to be at, at, at that church in Thessalonica for it to survive. The people there, they thought they had to have Paul. And if we don't have Paul, we're not going to make it. Now, now, both of them absolutely were wrong, right? And we know that because we have the scriptures. But whenever, listen, I'm telling you, whenever you're forced to leave, whenever, whenever you're forced into something, that all of a sudden it can cause, see, this, this is what caused anxiety in Paul's life. He was, he was forced to leave. And I, I think, if, as I think about this, the last couple of years have probably cost us more than we even realize. More than we've even actually been able to emotionally process. Because if we're honest, over the last couple of years, we've been forced to leave some things, right? And maybe, maybe you were forced to leave a job. Maybe you were forced to leave a job because of the economy, because of what was going on. You were forced to leave and it, it gave you financial security. You were working with some people that you deeply loved. Maybe you were forced to leave, and maybe you were forced to suspend services or, or, or your job for a period of time. Maybe you were forced to leave some very close friends, and you felt you needed them, and you needed to be with them, and, and you were forced to leave. Maybe you were forced to leave, and you had to move away. And you had to leave a church. You had to leave some friends. You had to leave some relationships. Maybe you were forced to leave, and maybe you were forced to work from home, or maybe you were forced to do school online, or maybe you were forced away from something. Maybe you were forced to leave a relationship. That over the last couple of years, some relationships dissolved because maybe you disagreed with a few things and, and you were forced to leave. Or you, And as a result of that, if you're not careful, you can, you can carry anxiety, anxious thoughts over that. See, I mean, we, they may have titled this Anxiety in Athens. But maybe we could say, you know what, how about this? How about anxiety in America? Because what I'm seeing... I'm seeing the anxiety level of Christians and non-Christians. I'm seeing the anxiety level of a country just like, it is just like ramping up, right? 
to where people's emotions are like on the edge. It doesn't take much for someone to have anger or rage or respond in such a way or say things in such a way that they maybe wouldn't do because of this issue of anxiety. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. I cannot do anything really about the anxiety in someone else, but I can do something about the anxiety in me because that is one thing that I control. I can't do anything about the anxiety in America, anxiety in Pueblo, or maybe the anxiety in someone else, but, but, but I can do something about my anxiety. But here's the problem. A lot of times we spend the majority of our time trying to solve something in somebody else's life or deal with something in somebody, instead of focusing on our life. See, that, that when you look at this issue, you, you see that there's an anxiety that we can carry. There can be an anxiety between us and another. In other words, do they like me? Do they approve of me? Are they happy with me? Are they judging me? And so we can have anxiety between two and, and individuals. And, and then there's the anxiety in, an, in, in another, anxiety that another person is carrying. And, and, and then we can't change them. But, man, we cannot quit thinking about them and thinking about how they could change like we have control over them. Let me just ask you a question. I think I know the answer. Have you ever successful worried someone into good behavior? Like if I worry about them just a little bit longer, they're going to change. I'm not going to talk to them. I'm not going to have, if I just keep worrying about them, it's amazing. Their life is going to straighten up. Have you, have you ever bought into this false belief? Because see, here's what I'm telling you. This is the problem with anxiety. It's the story you tell yourself. It's the story you're telling. You know what anxiety tells you? If you worry about it just a little bit longer, you can worry your way to peace. You can worry your way to joy. Anybody ever worried their way to peace? Anybody ever worried their way to joy? See, the, the deal with anxiety, telling you that anxi anxiety has a voice. And anxiety will tell you things that aren't healthy. And I'm telling you, if you and I don't deal first with our anxiety, with our fears, with our insecurities, then it will, it will rob you of peace. It will rob you of moving forward. It will take you and paralyze you because it's, it's this type of anxiety. And we're going to see this unfold in the scriptures. It is amazing. And I could take you through the gospels and I could show you story after story where this just plays out. We just do not have that time. And I'll call attention to a couple of them. But when you look at this issue of anxiety, I'm telling you, the problem with anxiety in your life, the problem with anxiety in my life, it keeps us from seeing reality. It robs us of being able to understand that, guess what? God is with you. See, if you're not careful, anxiety will tell you, guess what? God is, God is not with you. Anxiety will tell you that you do not have the things you need to be successful, that God may be withholding something from you. This is why, listen, I'm just telling you, this is why it's so important for us to worship. It's why it's so important for us to join in community and worship. You know why? Because worship has the potential to unlock some things. When anxiety is telling you God is not with you, when anxiety is telling you some things, that voice, when you and I enter into worship and we realize, oh, God stands in front of us. God goes before us. God is always with us. God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. It has the potential of unlocking some things in your life and my life. See, one of the ways, and there's indicators, right? There's indicators when we enter into anxiety, and there's, I'll just list some of them, and I mean, you may have yours, and, and, but you need to be aware. You need to be aware of your triggers, and you need to be aware of, of when you have anxious thoughts. One, one of the top ones for me is a spinning mind. 
You ever experienced that to where all of a sudden you have this spinning mind and you just can't turn your mind off? You can't quit thinking about it, that other person, that situation. You just, you know what? It wakes you up in the middle of the night, and guess what? Your mind never went to, your mind is still spinning. It can be a racing heart. It can be a tightening of the body. It can be to where you just, you just want to escape. You don't know what to do, and you've got these anxious thoughts. So you know what I'll do? I'll just go home. I'll binge watch Netflix all night long. That's what I'll do. That'll help. Or it can be mindless scrolling over Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, any, any social media to where it's just, I just got to escape. Or it can come to the place to where you go home and say, you know what? I just got to knock the edge off. I mean, I, I just need one drink. That'll, knock, that, that'll help my mind, and then one drink becomes two, and two becomes three, and three becomes four, and it's just like it won't knock the edge off. And we have to be aware of that. So in the time that I have with you, I want to help you. I want you to understand that when, when you and I go through suffering, when you and I stay faithful through suffering, God will use people, God will put people around you and helpful people around you. And these types of people will do three things for you. These are the things that you should do for others, and these are the things that others should do for you. And so the first thing, we, we just have to deal with the anxiety that we're carrying, but I want to give you three things. Here's the first one. God will put people around you who encourage you. God will, God will put people around you who will encourage you, not judge you, but who will encourage you. And so you're going to see this. Look at this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could stand it, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens. So, so Paul isolated. Paul goes to Athens. His mind is spinning. When I, couldn't stand, when I could stand it no longer, verse 2, and we sent Timothy, our brother, God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage. There's the two words. I just flipped them. The second principle is strengthen, the, but I'm, I just flipped the order. And to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith. So Paul takes, Paul identifies his anxiety. Paul identifies what he's anxious over. He is anxious. His anxiety is, I don't think this church is going to survive. I left this church in, 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 with inexperienced believers. They're experiencing persecution. And I don't, I don't, you know what Paul's fighting? Paul's fighting a distance thing. You ever fought a distance thing? Because I'm telling you, a distance thing between you and another individual can make the waiting worse. I remember my dad, uh, you know, I'm from Texas. Uh, just wanted to get that out there. Part. <laughs> I know you didn't know that because I've lost my accent. But, uh, and so my dad lived in Houston, Texas. And a few years back when my, when my dad was diagnosed with bladder cancer, I'm, I'm a thousand miles away. And the distance thing made it worse. I couldn't be there with him. And I could not be there. I, I remember when my dad went, I knew the day he was going to go and get his biopsy. I knew when the test results of, and some of you have lived through this, right? Whether it's for the loved one or yourself. And then I had to wait. We had to wait for the test results. To, I, I knew the day that my dad went to visit with the doctor. And man, that waiting of waiting for his phone call to me to let me know how he's doing seemed like eternity. And I had trouble with a spinning mind and tightening of the body and just focus and all those other things, right? And then I finally got the call and my dad said, I, I have two years to live. And I... I wasn't there. I, I, I couldn't hug him. I couldn't be there with him. I mean, I mean this distance thing is a real thing. And, and, and this waiting, and so, so maybe, maybe you're fighting the distance thing. Maybe you are waiting for an answer right now. Maybe you're waiting for a doctor's report, whether it's of you or a loved one. 
Maybe you're waiting for God to do something and you feel this distance or, 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 or you're struggling through that. And God will place people, if you will let him, that will encourage you. That's why worship is so important. That's why church and community is so important. And so Paul understood, listen, Paul understood what it was like to wait that distance. Did that ever happen to you, right? You ever, whether, it's, whether it's at the office or at the home, somebody looks at you and says, hey, we need to talk. What does that do to you right now, just me saying that? Right? It, it just kind of brings up some emotions. You know why? Because we have past behavior. We have past experience to go, to go on. And we know that generally when someone says, hey, we need to talk. We need to talk tomorrow or we need to talk this evening. That generally that's not a good thing, right? Because of past behavior. Now listen, they could be giving us a promotion. They could be giving us a raise. They could be sending us to Hawaii for a vacation. It could be a good thing. See, the problem with anxiety is this. Anxiety has a voice. The problem is a story that you're telling yourself, and sometimes it is negative. And this is, Paul's, this is, this is like Paul's issue. I mean, if you, have, have you ever waited for someone to respond to a text message? It was a pretty hard text message. You needed to know something. You sent that text, and then they didn't answer. And what, what do you, t- uh, you, you, you immediately think they're mad. You immediately think it's like horrible. And then if you're like an iPhone-like user, and then all of a sudden the bubbles appear, and you know they're typing. And you're wondering what they're typing. There's something about this. The problem is, is we're in, when, when we're in this mode, it's the story we're telling ourselves to where we actually believe. I know what they're thinking. We'll fill in the blanks. And Paul was driven away because they were experiencing persecution. He's in Athens. He's 100 miles away about. No communication, no cell phone, text message, landlines, the Google, you know, Facebook, blogs, anything like that. And his mind's spinning. How, how's the church doing? Are they surviving? Are they being persecuted? Is it, you know, are they giving in? And, and are, have, they, have they disbanded? And there's like no news. And so that's when Paul says, hey, when I could stand it no longer, I need to have a conversation. And so you know what he does? He sends Timothy. You know why he sent Timothy? Timothy was there when he planted the church, and they trusted Timothy. They knew Timothy was a man of God. Paul trusted Timothy. Timothy had encouraged Paul. Timothy had encouraged the church. So he sends Timothy and says, hey, go check it out. Go find out how they're doing. Timothy wasn't a stranger to them. They loved Timothy. Paul loved Timothy. And Paul, what the Scripture says... Paul sent Timothy there, what? To encourage support. That's what people will do for you. When you go through crisis, they will encourage and they will support you. The the word encourage in the Greek is paraclete. It means to come alongside of. If it's the word that's used of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us. And so, listen, whenever, whenever we go through a difficult time in life, we need a paraclete. We need somebody that can come alongside of us and encourage and support us, not scripture us, not judge us, but just to come alongside of us and encourage us. It's interesting when you look at this, how Paul dealt with this. He just simply, he just simply encouraged them. Look, this is what Solomon says. Solomon, Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes 4.9. 4, he says, two are better than one because they have good reward for their efforts. 
For if either falls, his companion can what? Can lift him up. To lift someone up, you've got to be in close proximity, right? For to lift someone up, it is to encourage. It is to support. It is to grab someone and help them. But pity the one who falls without another to what? To encourage, to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? If someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three th- strands is not easily broken. And so Paul sends Timothy to do what? To encourage, to lift them up. Every one of us. Every one of us needs a friend that can lift us up. Ephesians, Paul writes that, that you should use your words for what? For the building up of another, not the tearing down. Not the destruction. And so Paul, Paul used Timothy. See, the problem with anxiety is, is you can forget God is with you. One of my favorite stories is Luke chapter 8, and the disciples are in a boat with Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee happens to be one of my most favorite places to be in Israel. And I've been on the Sea of Galilee when it was calm, and I've been on the Sea of Galilee when it's in a storm. Not a fear storm. Storms on the Sea of Galilee can come up to where there's 30-foot swells, and they're fighting them. And Jesus is in the boat with the disciples. Jesus falls asleep, right? Many of us know the story. The storm comes up. The disciples freak out. They're carrying anxiety. They forget. They actually forget God's with them, right? They wake him up, and they say, Master, Master, we're going to drown like all of us, you included. We're going to drown. And Jesus says, of course, the Son of God came to this world to drown in a lake. Absolutely. That's what I've been telling you. No. You know what Jesus does? He doesn't condemn them. He doesn't rebuke them. You know what he does? He rebukes the wind and the waves. And you know why? To remind them, I'm in the boat with you. And I'm sovereign and I'm in control. You have everything you already need. You have me. A lot of times anxiety, we forget that God, listen, God is in the boat with you. God is in the boat with you. You just see this in Scripture over and over Anxiety will tell you, the story you'll tell yourself, God is not with me. He will not take care of me. That's why David, the Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. God is in control. I have what I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. I have the situation that I need. I have the relationships what I need. So so we need to move on. The second thing is this, strengthen He not only encourages us, but he strengthens us, or he wants people that will strengthen us. Verse 3, so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we're appointed to this. In fact, when we were with you, we told you in advance that that, that they were going to, that we were going to experience affliction as you know it happened. So Paul is reminding, hey guys, I prepared you for this. It, it, It happened exactly as I told you. It It would be like you telling someone, which should lower anxiety, hey, we need to talk. And we need to talk about your race. We need to talk about a promotion. Hey, you know what? We need to talk. And here's what I'm concerned about. Here's what I'm, and at least the individual knows. And this is what Paul is saying, verse 5. For this reason, when I could no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might be for nothing. Here's the crazy thing. Paul believed the best in them. Someone who's going to encourage and support you, 
at the bottom line, they believe the best in you, not the worst. Paul's believing the best in them. Paul's like, you know what I'm concerned? I'm concerned the adversary, the tempter, Satan, came in and got you off track. That's what I, because I believe the best in you. Paul believed the best, and then Paul said this in First or, or Simon Peter said in First Peter chapter five verse eight. He says, "Be sober-minded and alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone that that he can devour." And so Paul understood, and Paul tried to help help them understand. As a Christian, we have an adversary. As a Christian, Satan is not for us. Satan is against us. And sometimes he tempts us, and sometimes he uses illness and financial problems and situations in our life. And, and Paul understood that. And Paul was saying, hey, I believe the best in you. I'm concerned Satan has, like, under, unsettled you. And so Paul came to this place just to encourage them and to help them. Listen, let me tell you something. I don't know if you realize this. Anxiety is contagious. You ever notice that in a family? You ever notice that in an organization or in a church? It just takes one person to carry some anxiety, and, and, and they, can, they can, like, pass it off to the— all of a sudden, the whole group, the whole family, the whole, whole organization becomes anxious, and they, they have fear. But I can also tell you this. Faith is contagious. All it takes is one person with some faith. Hey, I believe the best in you. I'm going to encourage you, and I'm going to support you. You can do this. And Paul begins to support them, and Paul begins to help them that, guess what? God is with you. And guess what? Not only is God with you, we're with you. Sometimes we just need someone with flesh on, right? Just to encourage and support. Just to say, I believe the best in you, not the worst in you. I'm not going to find everything where you fail. I'm just going to encourage you. The third and the last thing, if you're going to stay faithful through suffering, faithful through difficulty, is this, is that there will be those that will come alongside of you and comfort you. There will be people that encourage you. There's going to be people that support you. And there are going to be people that comfort you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 6 says, But now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always had good memories of us and that you longed to see us. And we also long to see you. So now you know the anxiety between two individuals, right? Paul was concerned that they didn't like him. Paul was concerned that they were mad at him. Paul was concerned that they didn't want him to come back because he had to leave. And so all of a sudden, he, he like answered that. He, he found that out. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all of our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about your faith. For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. Can you imagine this group of people when Paul said, hey, I'm encouraged by your faith. There is, I'm telling you, there is something about someone that goes through difficulty and they remain faithful. I think we should start telling each other. I think we should call it out. I think we should tell each other, hey, I just want you to know, brother, I am encouraged by your faith. I want you to know, sister. Man, I know what you've dealt with. I know what you've walked through. Your faith lifts up my faith. You encouraged me the way you handled that, that situation. When you handled that illness, you handled that challenge, you have encouraged me. Because, see, here, here's the deal. Whenever we go through suffering, there's, there's, some, there's some ways that we can respond, and we can re respond in some ways that are negative. We can, we can respond irrationally, Right? We can respond in such a way. It's just irrational. Remember Luke chapter 24, one of my favorite stories. It's known as the road to Emmaus. 
Jesus has been crucified. He's in the tomb. And, and all of a sudden, Cleopas and his buddy, we don't know who his buddy is. They like freak out. And they have a little bit of anxiety. So what do they do? They leave Jerusalem. They just start walking. They just start walking. And they're walking and they're talking. And so their anxiety is, you know, they're talking about everything. Jesus comes alongside of them in the story to encourage, confront, uh, comfort, and support. And Jesus just asks curious questions. Sometimes that's the most helpful thing we can do when we encourage someone that's going through anxiety and stress. You know, what are you angry about? Why is this frustrating you? What are you scared about? Instead of judging them, say, hey, faith over fear. You shouldn't have faith. You know, you should have faith, not fear. You know that. That doesn't help anybody, right? And so Jesus asked them what things. And they're like, what do you mean what things? Are you the only one in Jerusalem that don't, doesn't know? They're talking to Jesus. Their anxiety kept them from seeing that he was with them. Something happened and they invite him to their home. They break bread. They, they worship. And all of a sudden they realized it's him. It's him. It's Jesus. Anxiety will keep you from seeing that God is with you. That's why worship is so important. Worship can unlock some things. So you can respond irrationally. You can, you can exaggerate the problem. That's one of my tendencies. I just exaggerate the problem. Remember Elijah? Elijah actually told God, God, I'm the only faithful prophet on the planet Earth. I'm the only one that's faithful. I'm the only one. You know what God tells him? Elijah, I got 7,000 prophets just like you. Get up, eat something, you need a nap. There's a lot of us, you know what, honestly, there's a lot of us, we need to eat something and we need to rest. We need to eat something, we need a nap. So I'm giving, you know, I'm, you know what, it's of God. If you go home and take a nap, that is of God. <laughs> or you can just be resentful. Job's wife, right? Job's wife said, hey, just curse God and die. Just curse God and die. And Job says, even though he slay me, I'll trust him. Job was the man that would say this, says, all my years I thought I've heard, I, I've heard of him, but it was in my pain, what, that I, I, truly, I truly saw him. I truly saw that he was with me. I'm going to close with, with a passage of, of Scripture just, just, that has just really ministered to Karen and I over the last few days or last few weeks. And, and actually, Karen, Karen sat down with me and says, this psalm's unbelievable. This psalm is encouraging me. Psalm 37. David's going through a, some tough stuff. And David has a little bit of anxiety. And so verse 1 and 2, I'll, uh, in a few minutes I'll start reading verse 3, but verse 1 and 2, David is talking about this issue of remaining faithful and don't be agitated. That's an Old Testament word for anxiety. Don't have fear. He can be trusted. Verse 3, we just pick it up. I'm going to read and, and say a few things and we'll close. And so David goes, trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live, and live securely. Some translations will see dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Just trust God. See, an anxious heart, anxiety, an agitated heart will never allow you to trust God. An anxiety, an anxious heart will tell you that God is withholding something good from you, that God has not given you what you need. And so David begins just talking through this. Just trust God. Dwell in the land. Just dwell in the land. Befriend faithfulness. Just stay faithful. 
and then live securely. Verse 4, he goes on and he says, take delight in the Lord. And he will give you your heart's desires. And, and just heart's desires in this context, it's not things. It's not say he's going to give you a bunch of things. You know what he's saying? I'll give you the desires of your heart. I'll, I'll give you me. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you me. Delight literally means that he'll pamper us with his presence. He'll pamper us with spiritual blessings. You're deeply loved in him. You're totally and completely forgiven in him. You're perfect and complete. You're, you're lacking nothing. It's what happened to the disciples when they forgot that Jesus was in the boat with them. Then he goes on. This is huge. This is huge. Verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And he will act. Just real quickly in the Hebrew, that phrase, commit your way to the Lord, is a verb. And you know what it, you know what it literally means? To roll off your burden. Remember in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your burdens on me, cast your burdens on him. For why? For he cares for you. Some of you this morning, if you're carrying some anxiety, maybe it's what's going on in our world, and I mean, oh my word, you just pull up the internet and you look at the stories. Maybe it's what's happening in our country. Maybe it's what's happened in your family, your job, your situation, your circumstance. Some of you this morning, you may need to roll off your burden. Cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Jesus said that if you're weary and heavy laden, Come to me, because my burden is light. Commit your way to the Lord is to be able just to roll off your burden and realize that he will act. Then he goes on and says, making your righteousness shine like the dawn and your justice like noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated, anxious by the one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. My dear children, do not be agitated. Do not be anxious. It can only it can only bring harm. I've realized that in my life. When I'm agitated, when I'm anxious, when I'm carrying anxiety, it brings harm to relationships around me, my relationship with him, mine. There's three, three things in anxiety. There's what is mine to carry. There's what is theirs to carry. And there is what is his to carry. What gives me anxiety in life is when I try to carry things that are not for me to carry. 
When I try to carry the things that only God can carry, when I try to carry the things that someone else is to carry, so I try to worry them to better behavior and I try to worry them to a better life or I try to worry them to where they change, or I come to the place and say, you know what, I'm going to carry what's mine to carry. And I'm going to trust God to carry what he is to carry. That's the only way you and I will ever roll off our burden to him. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And...